Hello, and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the podcast where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this podcast is to be a source of inspirational truth that will awaken a deeper hunger within you for the fire of God to burn brighter and hotter in your life. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering system of the temple, and it also reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that will help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame this week. I am Keith Collins and I am your host. And as in every week, we are just so honored, so humbled, and so blessed to know that we can come to you and share the things that the Lord is placing upon our hearts to share We also know that there are listeners today that are hearing this throughout the United States of America where we are based out of here in Charlotte, North Carolina. But we also know that many of you are in many different nations around the world. So we want to welcome our international audience and we thank the Lord that he's opened this this means or this... um, this ministry, this media ministry in such a way that we are really impacting the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that what you're about to hear is going to encourage you, that it's going to bless you, and that it's going to challenge you on multiple levels. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to Maintain the Flame. We, we call this show Maintain the Flame Because in the book of Leviticus, the Lord told the priesthood to make sure that the fire on the altar never goes out. And we know that the Lord is the one that provided the initial fire for the altar. But we also know that he instructed the priest, Aaron and his sons, to make sure that that fire was stewarded, that it was maintained, that it was always um, burning and that there was always wood upon the altar so that the fire would never subside or never go out. So one of the reasons that we do what we do with this program is to make sure that the fire of God never goes out in your heart, in your life. And our prayer is that by listening week in and week out that you feel that fire of God increasing, that the love of God is more real. The power of God is more present. The glory of Jesus is tangible. The holiness of God is real. So that's our prayer. And this week, I want to come to you and just really share a little bit about the last few days um, that we've experienced. I was recently, about two days ago, in a setting in the state of West Virginia, and our ministry Um, held a conference there, a gathering there, and we had folks from many different regions around America, Um, some that even live in the Philippines were there. But we had a conference, and the, the theme of the conference was legacy. And the reason we did that was because we felt it is so important in this generation for us to instill a legacy of living for Jesus 
into those that God has placed into our lives. If we look at the the Word of God, if we look at the Jewish history, the history of Israel, we see even with some of the early patriarchs of the faith um, that there was this understanding that part of their role was to make sure that the generations that come after them understood who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was. In reality, the reason that the feasts are celebrated, the Feast of Israel are celebrated, is so that they will not forget who the Lord is. Of course, one of the ones that stands out, of course, is the Feast of Passover, which it falls around what the Christian church now calls Easter. But, but that, that celebration reminds Israel how the Lord saved them out of Egypt and how the night that the death angel came where the firstborn of all the Egyptians was killed and the animals firstborn was killed, that if the, if the Israelites, if the Jewish people would put blood upon the doorpost of their houses, that the, the angel of death would pass by, he would pass over. So as a result, they commemorate that even today. They commemorate that in this hour. Many, many years later, they commemorate the Feast of Passover as a reminder of what the Lord did. Now, I, I say that to say that I think it's, 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 it's so important for us to be able to impact the generations that are num- number one on the earth, but number two, that come after us with what it means to really know Jesus. So we, we gather together in West Virginia, and there's um, a dear couple that I've been friends with for over 30 years, and I've been preaching at their church for many years. And they are, you know, the, the brother I think is 79 years old, and he's in the process of turning the ministry over to another younger couple and still still going to be present in the church there, he and his wife. But the thing that we really focused on throughout the weekend was what it means to really leave a legacy of living for Jesus. And I believe that that we stand in such an important hour of history. We are losing generations. Um, we're losing the history of a lot of the power and the the manifestations of God in the midst of his church. And many people have just kind of grown accustomed to going through the motions of having good church. But they are unaware of the history and the the power and the glory of the Lord that has manifested throughout the generation. So so this this conference was really about that. And I felt like it was important for me to take some time today, and we might even take some time next week, to share this because there are those listening right now that that you need to know that others have walked where you're walking my friend you need to know that others have been in the battle that you're in right now you need to know that there are others that have walked in that dark place and the enemy told them that they were finished that they would never be who God called them to be that they would never finish the race or the course that the Lord had set before them but many of those people can look back right now and say, you know what? God was faithful. Even when I didn't feel like he was faithful, I'm still standing and he's faithful. There was a Chinese apostle that was asked a question years ago, and they said, how can you know if someone is really a true apostle? And he basically said this, I'm paraphrasing. He said, when everyone else has fallen and not willing to stand, He said, even though the the apostle might be bloodied and battered, he's still standing. 
And the word of God says, when you've done all you can do to stand, just simply stand. And it's in that place that you will see the salvation of the Lord. You will see the kingdom of heaven intervene on your behalf. And it doesn't even mean that every time the battle is going to end on this earth. Matter of fact, there are many martyrs that shed their blood throughout the history of the church. There's some of you may be listening to this today. Maybe you're in a part of the world where it's even against the law to listen to what you're listening to. And maybe you have friends or even people in your life that have suffered for the gospel. Maybe some of them have even been martyred for the faith. I want you to hear me, my dear friend. They leave a legacy. They, they leave an experience that they had with Jesus. There was something that happened to them that brought them to the place of divine willingness, a divine release of their own life. The Bible says to gain life, you've got to lose your own life. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to pick up your cross and you've got to follow me. When he called his disciples, some were fishing. He, he called them and they, they dropped their nets. And immediately the Bible says they followed Jesus. There is something about a legacy of following Jesus that I believe we must restore to the church in this generation. We can't just talk about what God did 100 years ago. Thank God for what God did 100 years ago. I told the people this past weekend in West Virginia that I am able to remember a lot of dates, the dates of revival that, you know, the Azusa Street revival started in 1906 and went to 1909. The, the um, revival in Wales started in 1904, the, the revival that we know about primarily through Evan Roberts, and the revival in the Hebrides was 1949, and I could go on and on. There's, there's a lot of revival history that I have read about and studied about, and I've even been blessed to visit some of these places where the Lord poured out His Spirit in such amazing, incredible, and monumental ways. But but what good is it for me, Keith Collins, to know the history of revival if I'm not walking in personal revival? I was blessed, as many of you know, to be a part of the Brownsville revival that took place in Pensacola, Florida. Started on Father's Day of 1995, almost it's almost Father's Day now here in America, and it's that anniversary is always special to many of us. And it really ran from 95 to around 2000. As a result, hundreds and hundreds of missionaries have been sent out around the world. As a matter of fact, some of the people that were at our conference were there because we were connected back in the Brownsville revival, and, and we all still share similar passions for the glory of Jesus to be revealed, for the holiness and the fear of God to be restored, for intimacy with Christ and the love of the Father to, to be known in those of us that carry the mandate to preach the gospel, to, to, to pray for the sixth, to do what God has called us to do. So, so we were there together, but we can look back at the history of what we went through, but it's not enough that I was at the Brownsville Revival, my friend. There has to be something that I'm living in and that I'm walking in that is consistent, that is ongoing, that is perseverant. I can't just know the history of who God is. I, listen, again, it's important to commemorate the wonders of the Lord. It's important for the the Jewish people to commemorate what the Lord has done, how he did it, the, the Red Sea experience. All the, the battles that the Lord won for the children of Israel whenever they were not worshiping idols but worshiping the one and true God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's, it's important that they commemorate and that they remember those things. But you can remember something and reflect upon something to where it just becomes 
nostalgic or it just becomes um, a, a romanticized memory of what God used to do. Friend, that is not who God has called us to be. Yes, we remember. Yes, we commemorate. Yes, we celebrate. Yes, we honor our past and where we have came from. But the thing that I believe is so important and incumbent upon us as the people of God is that now, in 2022, today, as I'm recording this, it is actually May the 17th of 2022. We are many years away from the crossing of the Red Sea. We are many years away from the history of Samson, the judge that was filled with the power of God and overtaken by the glory of God, where he would literally be able to destroy hundreds of men with his own bare hands as the Holy Spirit came upon him. We are many years away from even the Brownser revival that started in 1995, but we thank God for that. But who are we now? Is there something in us called a walk with God that empowers us to not just know history, but to walk in the God of history, to walk in intimacy with the God who has been there throughout the ages, with the God that says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God that changes not, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is present still yet in the midst of his church. And again, some of you might be in a part of the world as you're listening to this, and the Lord is with you. However, it's dangerous. It, there's challenges, but you can look back even through persecution or maybe through the persecution of some of your friends or maybe even the, the death of some of your friends that shed their blood for the gospel. And you can trace the faithfulness of God even in that situation, in that setting. I, I, I'm reminded, of course, of the, the first martyr of the church, Stephen. And the Bible said when he was being martyred that he looked up into heaven and he said these words, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. What an amazing testimony. Yes, we have the history of his martyrdom. We know that he was martyred for the faith, but we also can say God was with him. God did not fail him. God did not forsake him. But Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you to the end of the world. Friend, that is the testimony of the Lord. That is the legacy that we must instill into our spiritual sons and daughters, into those that the Lord has put into our lives, even those that, that we meet day in and day out as we just live our lives on this earth. The Lord has called us to instill a living testimony, a living legacy of what it means to be faithful to the Lord. As as we honored this this couple that had been in ministry for many years, I think about 50 years, they planted a church like 40 years ago, but prior to that, they they were in ministry, I think 10, 10, 10 years prior to that. But as we looked at their lives and the fruit of their lives, and you know, nobody's perfect, but, but they have been pure, and they have been faithful, and they've been steadfast, and their, their reputation has been good and they have a good report among the house of God and even within their community they've been people of integrity now they've been persecuted at times because they refuse to compromise the gospel and the truth but even in the midst of some of the persecution they can look and say that God was with us and we were honored to suffer some like Peter said when he was beat when those men were beat they, they were honored to suffer some like the Lord Jesus Christ and and they these people they're leaders even a legacy they they're still alive and they're still doing ministry but but the legacy that they have the 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 witness that they have the life that they've lived continues to speak into or I'll even say it this way to prophesy 
into the generations that are on the earth. And even when they go by way of the grave or if the Lord comes back, however that works, their their legacy their legacy will continue to live. I've I I've had people in my life and you know some of those people were very dear to me and of course probably the the main people that I think of were the um, parents of my wife and I met them at a very young age. I was a teenage boy saved um, when I was about sixteen years old and met them about six months after I was saved and they became such an influence in my life. They were steadfast, they were prayerful, they were holy, they were pure, they were church planters, they were prayer warriors, they discipled people, they they brought people into their homes that were strung out on drugs in the 1960s, they were active in Akron, Ohio, during a lot of the race riots that took place in the 60s, and, and their church was a multiracial church in such a season when there was so much racism and so much animosity even between the races, they they stepped out in the love of God and they opened their home, and, and their, their church was a multiracial church, and the Lord used their lives in a powerful way. They were, again, faithful in righteousness. Their, their lives reflected a love for Jesus that, that was so much greater than a love for this present world. They spent hours and hours and hours in prayer. They, they knew what it meant to pray through into the Holy Spirit until they knew that God had granted victory through prayer. They were people that, again, um, took people at their worst, at their worst, and as a result, they brought them into their home, into their lives, into their atmosphere. And they, they, they spoke life into them. They cast demons out of them. They, they took them through the Bible. They, they taught them how to love Jesus and how to live for Jesus, how to take care of a family. I mean, again, that's, that's a legacy that I stand on the shoulders of that legacy even as I record this. So I am thankful for legacy. But listen to me. As I am now in my mid-50s with seven grandchildren of my own, I feel the responsibility now that I have to leave a legacy. Not a legacy of being a good preacher, not a legacy of being a Bible college president or someone that has traveled around the world to preach and teach the gospel, not a legacy of, of pastoring a church, and I've done that a few times, but, but a legacy of really knowing and walking with Jesus Christ, a, a legacy of Main, again, the name of this program is Maintain the Flame, a legacy of maintaining the flame of the Lord Jesus Christ upon my heart. So let me, let me read some scripture to you today, um, both from the Apostle Paul. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, very familiar passage here. He said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Another translation, he said, follow my example as I follow Christ. Now, Paul is inviting us to do two things. Number one, he's inviting us to look at his life. Look at the way that he lives. Look at the way that he loves. Look at the way that he prays. Look at the way that he's willing to even suffer, be persecuted for the gospel's sake. Look at the way that he refuses to compromise. He says, follow my example. Why? Because I'm doing what Jesus did. I'm living the life that Jesus lived. I wonder how many of us could really say right now, follow me because I'm following Jesus. Now, again, we understand that everyone can make a mistake and everyone can stumble and everyone can have a, a bad day or whatever. 
At the same time, we also understand that there should be a pattern of righteousness in our lives. There should be a pattern of faithfulness in our lives. In other words, we shouldn't be slipping in and out of adultery and pornography and and unforgiveness and, and, and these type of things. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, we should be growing in Christ. Now, if you've only been serving the Lord for a day and you're beginning to grow and disciple, you need to get plugged into a good community of believers, a good church environment where there are leaders that, that love you, that live right, that pray, that live, that live holy, and that, um, you know, that reflect who God really is. So understand if you're at that place. But if you've been walking with Jesus for 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, friend, you, you should not still be struggling with the same things that you were struggling with the day you got saved. Again, it doesn't mean that the enemy can't come in, but the Bible says even when he does come in, that the Spirit of the Lord in you should raise up a standard. That Paul said also that you know, you're going to be tempted, but these temptations should not control you. And the, and the Lord gives you power over these temptations that you'll be able to bear them. So there's no sin in being tempted. We're all tempted. However, sometimes I think we make excuses for our disobedience because we're humans and we say, well, even Jesus was tempted. Yeah, he was tempted in all points like we are, but yet without sin. Now, am I saying that every day is going to be perfect, that you're never going to have a, a bad thought? No, I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying this. We can be holy as he is holy through intimacy with Jesus. Listen, what is the greatest legacy that I could leave into my children, into my grandchildren, into the next generation, not being a preacher, not being someone that can just quote a bunch of scripture. And, and that's important to know the word of God. And, and I'm in the word of God every day, sometimes a, a lot during the day. And, and listen, and I preached thousands of times over the last 36 years, but again, a legacy of just doing ministry and being able to quote the Bible friend, that is not a legacy of knowing God. There's a deeper place that we're called to and that place is to know him and from that place of divine union with Jesus Christ we live out a life that glorifies the Lord and let me read one more passage of scripture to you and we're going to close this in a few minutes and come back again next week but first or sorry excuse me second Timothy 1 and verses 1 through 7 again the apostle Paul tells his spiritual son Timothy this Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. But listen to this. But he said, this first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, as a result of this, I remind you then to stir up the gift of God in you. One translation says, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I, I love this. Paul is reminding his spiritual son, and there's different thoughts on, on the way that Paul is speaking to Timothy here in the second book of Timothy. Um, First Timothy is very um, instructional, and, you know, of course, we can feel Paul's love for Timothy in the first letter, but this second letter seems to have a different level of of personal 
identity, with Timothy's heart, with his calling, with his, even his personality. Some feel maybe because of his, his youth or his, his age that he might have been a little bashful to really stand up in an apostolic way. And many call this the pastoral epistles along with Titus. I understand that. And I've taught these books. But really, if you look at this, I believe they're more apostolic epistles. Paul was encouraging Timothy in these letters to, to deal with false teachers and, and some of the, um, the things that were taking place that were um, maybe a hindrance to the gospel in Ephesus here as Timothy is being written to as he's overseeing the ministry there. But, but here in this second letter, he reminds him of where he came from. What's he saying? Remember the legacy of intimacy with Christ that Grandma Lois had and that your mama Eunice had. There, there was something that they had. It wasn't just the ability to go to corporate meetings and to um, sing the right songs and to pray the right prayers. No, your, your mother and your grandmother knew Jesus. He called this, he, he said what they had was genuine faith. And he said, you've got the same genuine faith in you, son. Remember that that genuine faith was in your mother and your grandmother, that, that legacy of walking with God, that legacy of the faithfulness of God. It wasn't just about what God used to do and how God used to do it. No, these women walked, I believe, in a place where that faith, Paul said, was genuine. It was authentic. It was alive. It was pulsating. It controlled them. It directed them. Paul saying, this is what you're called to do. This is who you're called to be. And as I look at my own life at this stage of my life, I have to ask myself that question, is my faith genuine? In other words, do I have an authentic walk with Jesus or do I just have a image of being holy, an image of being a preacher. I'm, I'm actually intimidated when I read um, in Revelation, Paul's, or I'm sorry, the address of the Lord Jesus um, as as John, of course, is writing the Revelation on the Isle of Patmos, but as he's talking to the seven churches of Asia Minor, and he comes to Ephesus, and he talks about how that they are so stellar in so many ways. They refuse false teaching. They won't put up with false apostles. He said, but I have this one thing against you. You have left your first love. And I believe we could say they left their genuine faith. Oh, they still believed in God. They were actually um, doing a lot of good, noble works, but they, they left that thing that the generations on the earth now need people that are intimate with God, people that know the voice of God, people that know the faithfulness of God, people that know the love of the Father's heart, people that know the holiness of the nature of Jesus Christ, people that are filled with the Spirit, people that move in the gifts of the Spirit, people that are hungry to see the lost say, people that adhere to the Great Commission to make disciples of the nations, people that are willing to suffer for the gospel, even later their lives down for the glory of Jesus on the earth. Friend, this is the legacy that has to be left to the next generation. Paul even said in Philippians 3, 10 through 11, what is his cry at this season of his life? He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What is his cry? His cry, God, I don't, I'm not interested in a bigger church or a bigger ministry or more miracle signs and wonders. The cry from the heart of the apostle Paul at this season of his life was that I may know Jesus. Friend, that is the legacy that has to be 
handed down. If there were an epitaph put upon my tombstone, if that, if that happens to me one day, I would simply like it to say this. He knew Jesus. That's it, my friend. That is the, the ultimate paramount mandate upon you and me as people that are believers, that are following Jesus, that we would be able to instill that into the next generation and even the generations after them. Listen, my prayer for you is that the glory of the Lord Jesus would become real in your life, that you would be awakened with hunger and passion for Jesus as you've never known before, and that he would use you to impact the generations on the earth and the generations to come in Jesus' name. We'll continue this next week. Listen, you can find out more about our ministry at keith-collins.org. You can also visit us at impactgf.org. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame today. And again, may the glory of the Lord become your native air, and may the fire of God be sustained and increased in your life. Until next week, God bless you, and we look forward to being back with you again on another episode of Maintain the Flame. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. I want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then please subscribe and listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about my ministry, please go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org.